what kind of friendship? This is dodgy. I don't even know what I would be so. And hey, maybe I he made never, a deal. He's like, you write my book. No, no, just. <laughs> I get to. Uh, I would never do this in front of a friend. That's so creepy. But it's Italy. It's 1970. And there's no rules. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the final girl. We are talking to you, Disco Citizens, about this week, a movie with my friend Terry Gamble. Oh my gosh. Hey, what's up, Julia? Hello. Let's talk about this movie with one of the greatest titles in cinema, 1970s, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Chef's kiss. Gorgeous. Love it. What a... The imagery of that. It just... It really means nothing, but it means everything. It's just very provocative. Like the title of this episode... Bring in the perverts. Yes, Provocative. Perverts. Yeah. Uh, the tagline for this movie, I really like. If you think you are being followed home from this movie, keep telling yourself it's all in your mind. I like uh, it. That's creepy. The movie's yeah. like, I will follow you. Watch uh-huh. out. And you're welcome. Yes. Gonna creep you out. I That's like it. great. Mm-hmm. This is based on a novel, which I haven't read, which I should, called The Screaming Mimi, another great title, by Frederick Brown. But this movie was adapted and directed by Dario Argento. This is his debut film, which is crazy because the this thing is- This is one of the best debuts I have ever seen because we've watched a few debuts recently too, like Francis Ford Coppola, Dementia 13, which is also mm-hmm. great. But this is freaking phenomenal. It's like, like fully formed. Yeah. He came out it's and was like, like, hello world. Yeah, it's like it's already got his like signature style. It's already got the signature like weird stairwells making you feel dizzy, like all that mm-hmm. stuff, the disorientation of the, like the moments. It's already got the beautiful artistic blood that he's kind of known for, mm-hmm. that gorgeous red that's going to kind of seep throughout. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's part of like his whole package that continues on in his other works. Very good job incredible and uh, this is i don't know enough about the giallo uh, genre to know if this is an you know how early this is is the first of this this kind. is one of the but first I, from what i, I understand it, yeah from what i understand yeah it is quite quite early which i think is great and and you know you know i if think if not the first yeah we, from what i remember we should, reading we should ask our viewers uh, and listeners to when you watch this film watch it as if you're in 1970 because for me like you have the first shot is this killer is gloves obviously you're like oh it's a killer in gloves uh who is writing on a keyboard first you get a typewriter julia and the beautiful sound of the typewriter opens the movie and that might be one of my favorite little just like i was like ooh, it's very evocative already Mm. and like loving the font all the stuff that's going on with that so yes so i see this and i go oh yeah you know giallo killer gloves but then you have to go no no I'm watching this and I don't know that this is a trope yet, right? This isn't a trope. This isn't anything. This is brand it's not new. A, not done. Yeah, this is like a brand new moment. Exactly. So, so I think you have to cast your mind back to a time where Giallo isn't, you haven't seen Suspiria and Tenebrae and Deep Red and like all these ones that you know and love. Like, cast your mind back to a time they don't exist, which is I think, you know, whenever you're watching a movie, I think walking, watching through the lens of that time period is always a good idea. So we have a killer 
who has a, a fabulous knife mm-hmm. well when you have a, fi- a fabulous knife collection one would like to think that you're a killer right yeah one would say like eh, probably killing people with those knives we have uh, our first victim a lovely 18 year old student who he is taking he or she, he's taking pictures of they are taking pictures of they are taking pictures of and to be like i love the outfit lots of black and like vinyl and i was like well this look a little like naughty i like it i like the outfit <laughs> um very dominatrixy you know uh-huh. um kind of vibe um but it is very disorienting like i said from the very beginning you know there's just like um you can't tell exactly what they're looking at like you know who's who um you don't get a full glimpse of anything you know it's just like these crazy quick cuts and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know um we're moving on yeah he's got style this guy mm-hmm. uh, there are three women who have already been murdered in the town so people are on edge we meet our hero sam who is played by Tony Masante, who is a American writer who came to Italy to write and write the great this great work and hasn't wrote, written anything except he was hired to write a book about rare birds. This is something that he has no interest in, but they will pay him to do it. And now that they have paid him, he is now going to go back to America with his girlfriend, Julia, played by the incredibly sexy Susie Kendall with amazing hair. I lusted after her hair this whole And movie. I was like, and her name's Julia. I was so excited. Like, yeah. yeah, you always get and excited when you Julia hear hair. your name. Yeah. yeah. When you hear your name in a movie and you get to hear the character say your name, you're like, yeah, say my name. That's cool. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Dorky. And she's like a hot young thing and so fun to watch. So you're just like, yes, this is great. And they're cute little lovers and enjoying their time. It, it seems like their final days in this in Italy and they're getting ready to go back to America. Um, but uh, things happen along the way where Sam is going to witness a death. Um, or what, or a near death experience for this woman, um, in a art gallery, and it's right. such a wild, beautiful scene. What a cool shot! Cool, cool it shots is. these are. And I think that these, this is the kind of sequence that elevates giallos from a normal horror film to an art film because this mm-hmm. is filmed in such a beautiful way. Even if it, you know, the subject matter is grotesque, the actual cinematic viewing of it is gorgeous and so it, it's this and also you know i feel like jealous always live in this like slightly parallel world where things aren't exactly reality because we have this art gallery that you if you're a killer why would you kill anybody in this giant brightly lit art gallery this like, also ours- white space when you yes. know there's going to be blood it's like either you're obsessed and you want to see the splatter right and so i was just like oh interesting choice because this woman is wearing all white and then you get to see the blood on this beautiful all white outfit, you know, and the room is white and silver and gold is like with the with the accents of the of the artwork in the room and some of the trimmings um, on the windows and things as well. And he gets trapped in this very strange antechamber between the gallery and the street where he can't get out, but he can't get in. Uh, and this is like this is what I mean about Jello being like slightly left or right. Like, I don't. No business would have that. It doesn't serve any purpose, but that's okay. It's okay. We'll just go. Well, are they storm just- windows? No, I was wondering about that actually too, because I feel like there's like certain stuff like also like security in a place like that with like really priceless works of art and expensive artwork. I think it might've been a security measure. So I actually 
was okay with that because I was like, that seems like something that's plausible. Some weird sure. security mechanism. Someone like someone with like a stupid amount of money, like this this couple seems to right. have, would install as like the newfangled invention. Like, oh, it's a modern security system, but it's right. like, of course, that security system is going to fuck you later, right? And that's what's happening here. But actually, in these kind of in Jello movies, I don't mind this kind of thing. Where I'm like, oh, that does, even if that doesn't really exist in real life, that's fine because we're not really in reality. We're in this hyper reality where blood is orange and it's all just kind of this slow motion beauty fest so the police arrive and of course are suspicious of him because they're like well what were you doing here what the hell's going on but she's okay not dead so they cart her away uh, her husband comes albert and is uh flummoxed about what has happened he is she said he was there she was there doing doing the books late at night uh, and they are the owners of the gallery so now that he is involved in a murder investigation the car police compensate his passport and now sam is stuck in italy whether he likes it or not yeah i like how like sly they are about it too they're like oh like let me just check out your passport for a second and i was like don't give the police your passport like in my main in my brain and he's like okay here you go and they're like okay thanks like gonna stick it in a drawer and he's like uh wait uh i was planning on leaving they're like no you're like too important of a witness and we're gonna need to stick around dude so uh sorry so um, you're part of this now. And he's just mm -hmm. like, okay, but I literally, they, you know, interrogate him for hours on end trying to find out more. Like, what does he remember? What does he remember? They're like, something was off and you can't remember what it is. And that's that thing where your brain, when you're mulling something over and over that's happened to you mm -hmm. or you've seen where like, you can't tell, remember what's real anymore because your brain has been picking over it so long. You can't yeah. remember if you've had a conversation about it. You're like, you think you've talked about everything about it, but there's some detail that's off to him in his brain. He's like, I can just, I can see it. I can feel it, but I cannot articulate it. And so that's what's going to drive him through the rest of this movie, trying to figure out what the dang thing is that was yeah. off about the scene. There was something off about it and he cannot for the life of him articulate what it was. I think everybody knows that feeling. It's a, you know, a song that you can almost remember who sang it or, you know, you can't remember this small thing and it does drive you crazy. And the longer it gets, the bigger it gets. And so I think, you know, jaws are a lot, a lot of times about obsession. And I think that this is the beginning of this. So there is, he, they do make him go to a lineup uh, where we have our t a title for the episode, bring in the perverts and in the perverts come. Uh, and they, they bring in Ursula Andress, who was fantastic in her five seconds of screen time. Uh, I wanted more shout, of her. I wish Me she too. could come back and like help Spin him off. out. I wanted him, her oh, to come back and like team up. Yeah. And help him be like, actually, I do know a couple people that might have some leads and like, yes, just for one more scene, just one more scene with her. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, so they have the glove that they have from the scene and it tells them that they tell this glove tells them a lot. I was like, this, this is, it, it's dubious that this actually could be told by this glove, but also I'm in this Giallo world where I go, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Uh, so they find out that the killer smokes Havana cigars. But you got to talk about, Julia, your favorite thing is the room what? that they're talking about this in, the science lab, the big oh, computer yeah. that's behind them, because I know you love old-timey machinery. I, I was like, I figured you were going to bring it up, but since you didn't, got to talk about how, like, yes, the reason they're able to find all this information about it is they punch in a bunch of stuff, deep, deep, beep, boop, 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 old school big yep. computer that's the size of a room. And the science guy who's the computer lab like uh, expert man. Another spinoff I would like. Dark sunglasses on inexplicably. So we cannot see his eyes or what he really sees um, as well. So love the sunglass man giving us the science and facts. 
Yeah, but yes, we realize that um, the blood matches uh, the woman that so that checks out um, who was uh-huh. being stabbed. It seems like or something like that. The materials were there. Um, also, that um, he had some fancy cigars that were from Cuba, but uh, most likely those were actually bought in England. They they find a few things out as they put it through the supercomputer. This supercomputer, super. We find out there's fibers from English fabric on it, and that the killer's left-handed. So you just run up to the computer, and 150,000 they- descriptions could match, and they got to figure out the 150,000 people in the city that what their alibis are and if yep. who they are. And they have this fantastic dot matrix printer going on. It's it's really great. So we, Sam goes to see Monica at her apartment, but only talks to her husband, who he is immediately suspicious of. And oh, he also is wearing really nice clothes. And he catch he tosses him his cigarettes, which he catches left handed. And you go, huh? You clues, could clues, be you, clues, sir. Clues, clues lining up. So yeah, it <laughs> seems very, very, very suspicious. Um, the, and the mister will not allow him to speak to Monica. He says that she's sedated and not available to have visitors. And she's already gone through the information over and over with the police. And he's not interested in her speaking with them anymore. This is of an era for sure when men could be like, no, I speak for my wife. Goodbye. Good day, sir. Yeah. Oh, into cut with Sam's investigation, the killer's on the loose, uh, tracking down his next victim at a horse race. Uh, Sam goes to the place where the second victim worked, which was an antique store, and they go in this antique store owner. Another spinoff I would like is what the fuck was his deal? Because all he these was char- so- great character actors. I mean, right? Like every single like extra character is br- pretty brilliant. He's so fastidious and so lecherous and creepy but also really jolly. It's a very unusual combination. And I, I really was here for it. You're d- describing my type. So let's no. <laughs> <laughs> to a T. So yeah. So, um, you know, there's another woman that ends up being watched and followed and, and walking home at night. Um, and of course she like stops by these officers that seem to not be doing anything to try to be watchful or helpful. Um, and she's like, no, it doesn't no, say anything. She just keeps walking. Just stay with them or ask for a ride home. No, but she, you know, walks upstairs into her house and, you know, goes upstairs and puts on the cutest little see-through little oh, nighty just for all of us. Man, it was killing me. With like Jeez. the perfect, perfect, perfect tits, perfect horror boobs. Yeah. Um, you know, and like in the ten like, out of ten. Yeah, ten out of ten. And then in the cute little lacy white panties, like then smokes I feel like a cigarette is, and lays down and has the most gorgeous wallpaper. This is Julia's wallpaper. I swear it is. to God. Like, this is who I wish I was, right? Like, this is something I feel like how she looks in this scene where she's in her nighty is I feel like every boy on the planet, like, that's how they think girls go to bed. That's what they look like, right? Yeah, they clearly, go to bed. And- it was, yeah, I was like, a woman did not costume her, I'm guessing. I don't know who costumed this movie, but I, my guess is it was not a woman. But, I mean, I'm just kidding, boys. We actually do dress up in really flim- flimsy, sexy, yeah, no. see through lingerie. You don't to have sleep to lie. You don't have to lie. Um, I mean, it depends it's something on the night. I aspire to. But it they depends get on the tangled. Night. They get tangled is the problem. Well, no, it depends on what you're wearing. If it's if it's small enough like this girl's was, you'd be fine. So anywho, she doesn't have to worry about it for too long because it's not going to get tangled because it's going to get ripped by a killer who's going to come right into her apartment. And uh, she tries to scream to no avail, gets her mouth smushed closed and her shirt ripped right into in the middle and those panties ripped right off. 
and she gets a murder. Which is right. Well, this is kind of the giallo signature kinky kill, right? You get the mm-hmm. lady getting her clothes ripped off and or, or it's exciting and the whole, the whole bit. And, you know, uh, who can say no? Uh, there is this painting that we haven't talked about that he acquired in a dubious manner, a photograph of a painting from the antique store that the clerk had sold to a guy just before she got killed. So yep. he's obsessed with the painting, which is really unsettling, which is a, a kind of style of art that I don't like. And I think maybe you're not supposed to like. And a, guy, a girl being murdered in like a snow scene. It's really uncomfortable to look at. Yep. And it is very upsetting. Like it. it's, it's supposed a- to it's subtle you, right? And whoever did it was great. Oh, we haven't even talked about, by the way, we, that uh, uh, Morricone did the fucking music for this movie. We kind of skipped over that. That was kind of an important thing. But There's hey, so many things. This movie's We're got a lot. 15 minutes into the episode. And now, you know. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so uh, Morsini visits Sam um, at his house and the, the inspector um, who's in charge of the case. Um, he, you know, realizes that this building that he's living in, that Sam's living in, is like basically condemned. He's like, there's, I wasn't even sure I was in the right place because like no one was here. So, like, well, yeah, this place is about to be condemned. I was literally leaving the country, you know, mm-hmm. up until a couple of days ago. Um and Morsini has been up all night, clearly, because there's another new case. Um, I love that Sam doesn't ask, like, why he was up all night. He's just like, no. okay, yeah, you're up all night. Cool. Here's some coffee. Great. Uh-huh. Doesn't but ask I him anything. Doesn't. But I, he, like, <laughs> waits for the inspector to, like, let it all unfold um, sure. in front of him. I like, you know, as far as horror movie cops go, they're usually quite ineffective. And I find more, I feel like Morrison is kind of on top of it. No, he's, he's actually usually, doing work. Yeah. He's doing usually like a couple steps ahead of everybody. And I was like, as you should be as a fucking cop, man. Yeah. Inspector. Uh, yeah. So shout out to an, uh, a, a cop that actually does their job well in a horror movie. A rarity. Yeah, he's he's doing the do. And he also, um, you know, comes back again, is asking Sam again. He's like, do you remember anything? And Sam's like, I was like, I'm racking my brains. Like, he's like, I can. It's like you talked about that itch that you just you can't quite scratch. It. You can't quite figure out what that thing is, what was off about mm-hmm. the scene. And he still can't figure it out. But he's invested and you can get now. He's like obsessed. Like you said, he bought that thing that printed the painting, basically. Like he's like, you know, trying to get himself in that mindset he's even julia's like are you sure dude like you're like very into like too into this like we should probably leave and so um but things get dicey um because they are the killer calls the inspector as well um and they get to talk to him because the the inspector goes goes onto the news to tell some spectacular lies uh, he he says potentially Uh about where they actually are with the case so as as inspectors have to do when they go report murderer things on the news, they might tell a little 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 lead, little little mislead to try to catch uh-huh. the killer. Of course, but you know the killer's getting cocky and making phone calls. Who's what's going to happen next? Uh, we find out. Uh, Sam goes. His next lead is Garulo, who is the pimp of one of the victims who is in jail and who has a strange stutter tick where he says so long at the end of all of his sentences. And so the first time it catches Sam off guard, so he's like, gets up to try to leave. He's like, where are you going? He's like, you said so long. He's like, no, no, just always say so long. That's like, that. that's this deal. Like, what, mm-hmm. a, what a fun little quirk to put on a character that doesn't need to be there, but his nickname around the character everyone work, knows, yeah, yeah, knows, everyone him, knows so him as so long. I'm like, that's great. So you know, it's fun to, if you're going to have a movie where characters going around and meeting a lot of people, making those characters interesting is uh, paramount. But I feel like most horror movies treat this kind of character very cavalierly. 
Uh, yeah, but this they, not nobody's a throwaway here, and you need to remember who they are too. So because they're all connected, right? And then mm-hmm. you want to remember who's giving you what information and at what time, because it's going to help you lead to ultimately, hopefully, to um, the truth, as Sam is on the quest for. So um, uh, the pimp uh, so long basically tells him, he's like, this wasn't anybody from like my cohort or any of us poor guys that are just out here working the streets. He's like, this was something that was done by a rich person or a gentleman just based on how this stuff went down, based on the stuff you guys have found. This isn't somebody poor. We're dealing with somebody who's got a lot of money, Um, maybe Mm -hmm. someone who can buy a gallery, maybe someone who can buy some crazy Mm. windows in a gallery that shut down in a weird way. but as um, Sam and his girlfriend Julia go out one night, uh, they are getting tailed around by a bodyguard. And Julia notices, oh, my gosh, why is this guy following us? And he's like, oh, those are one of Morosini's guys. It's all good. He's on our side. But all of a sudden, that guy gets attacked by a car trying to run him off the road. And they are on the run from some wild man chasing them around with a gun. And they are uh, trying to get out of there. So there's an amazing chase scene in a bus graveyard and our killer, you know, this is something at first you're like, what an idiot. If you're a killer, don't wear a bright yellow jacket with boxing club on the back. It's so distinctive, right? That's why you should always wear all black. So at first you think he's this big idiot, but of course we get to, and we get to this interesting point where he's, he's being, Sam is being followed by this man with the gun. And at some point they switch. So yeah. now Sam is following the man with the gun. When they get to I a main is- road instead of being in the back alleys. And so, yeah. Because he tries to tell people he's being followed. And then that man is like, oh, well, if you're going to tell people, like, I must stop right now. So he stops. So he goes into a hotel where there is a meeting of the boxing club gentlemen and everyone is wearing a yellow jacket. There's like over 100 guys dressed exactly like our our killer on the loose. And so um, and I love this little call porter guy, even this little random guy saying Mrs. Johnson, Mrs. Johnson or whatever. However he's saying it, it was just like very like peculiar. And (laughs) that's the man he asked, like, where did you see a guy with a yellow jacket and a blue hat? And he's like, yeah, right in there. And it's like he opens the door and the reveal is, yeah, everyone. Uh, so there was another murder. A girl gets killed with a straight razor. Always fun. Garulo, then the pimp Salong sends him, Sam, to go see Faina, who knows everything, but always contradicts himself. This character, amazing. Like the first words out of his mouth were always the exact opposite of what he meant. And so he would say, what a, again, a cute, just weird character quirk. Like, okay, I liked this guy. I wanted a spinoff of this guy. Like, give me a spinoff of every side character in this movie and I would be happy. What was this guy's deal? He knew, he knows it all, but he tells nothing. Yeah. So um, then we get the killer finally calling Dalmas. It's not like calling Sam and warning that he needs to get out of the freaking country and stop messing around. He's like, didn't you get my warning? Like, basically, you were almost killed. Um, you have that hot, beautiful lady, your girlfriend, Julia. Uh, you like her? We're going to kill her if you uh, decide to stick around. So, so yeah. go back yep, to the USA. So, but of course, he's got a recording device, you know, by his phone because he's kind of been waiting for this moment. I think after the police got a call as well, like they made sure he was set up with that by his phone. So he records a good amount of the call. So he shares that call, of course, with the inspector. And they try to they hear a little weird sound that they try to isolate that turns out might be uh, something, something. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yes. So they, uh, are, they find that, that these two phone calls are by their voices. They can tell that by two different people. So if you look on the oscilloscope, you'll see that the sound waves are different between. We get more the, old-timey science. Yes. 
had a shadow. I just love to think about this police station in 1970 that just has this science lab with this dude in white coats. They who have just everything. Things into this computer. Yeah, I mean, this is a, a got it going on. This precinct just knows what they're doing. Uh, so, but he also in this very offhanded way, Sam also mentions that his creative juices are flowing again and now he's writing and he can't stop like a madman and you should like you're going down a dangerous path sam you're gonna burn out real well, quick he's you inspired don't you know because it's like he's been here and it's been idyllic i'm sure but it hasn't been interesting like this and this is very inspiring if you're an artist going through something like this intense like do you have a near-death experience like he just had basically yeah. you know and go on that high speed like chase and that run and you know, having his life literally threatened, of course, he's got, he wants to write something now. Um, yeah. So I think he, he got jolted, like when your whole worldview gets, you know, kicked and kicked, kicked around like that, you're going to want to do something. So he um, even goes to like, decides to visit the artist, the artist that made the painting and stuff too, because he wants more clues. I um, mean, feels like there's still something there. And this is a fun little scene too. that little artist as well. Who's just this, I mean, this, this level of chaos if I was dating someone and we were leaving the country, they're packing to leave the country, they're gonna leave in eight hours. And he was like, hey, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna go on this train job to this to this other town that's 90 minutes away, and I'm gonna go talk to this dude, but I'll be back in time for everything. I would freak the fuck out. What are you doing, man? Like, I can't even imagine the level of pressure, but he seems so like, eh, about it. Goes to see the guy, he lets him in through a ladder, he's a real weirdo living in this place with, uh, we find out, cats in cages which he eats he breeds them to eat that's his food and sam realizes that he's been he was, was served some cat which he ate which is awful and he mentions that he witnessed uh, a friend of his almost get killed as a kid and that was the inspiration of that painting so we get to know about that yeah so we finally then we also find out that he doesn't make stuff like that anymore like he's like i've stopped making that style of painting you know, I just, you know, it's it's not for me anymore. Yeah. Um, uh, he says he was mm -hmm. able to, he was the one who actually saved his friend. And so you can tell that that was something that scarred him for life. But he's moved on now. He's he's eating cats. So, you know, he's in a bitter place, right? No, he seems like he's fully twanged. So it's, it's a little bit of a dead end in that respect. But he does understand that maybe there's something connected to like seeing something like that that can trigger somebody. Um, which is probably the case with our killer at this point. So he heads out of there um, and um, meets up with, um, is this what he goes to meet Monica? Um, or no, he meets, um, uh, or Monica yes. goes to meet them. Yeah. So he tries um, to meet up. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I was on the, I was on, I had Julia's uh, attack next. So I'm looking yes, forward to my Yes, let's do Julia's attack. Let's do Julia's okay. attack. See? We have pages full of notes that we're going off of. We are very studious and uh, academic in our Nerds. critiques. Uh, so the killer, of course, starts to come for Julia. Thanks, Sam, for leaving your girlfriend at home all alone to get killed, you jerk. And he, cut, of course, well, the killer cuts the phone wire. With him, like she almost was the last time. So you're damned but if you do, damned if you, if you don't. Don't split up, man. We know this. Don't eh. split up. Take her with you to go see this psycho or whatever, but don't leave her by herself because now the phone wire is going to get cut and she's going to end up curled up in the bathroom crying while he breaks his way in. Find a weapon already. Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, but he finally does. Uh, she finally does and gets to tries to stab him in the eye and uh, it just uh, not not in a good way. Um, but the but the, she is ends up not not being killed uh, because Sam comes back just in the nick of time. Yeah. 
So they are saved. So the she the bird their bird friend that he had written the rare bird book for, uh, who has been watching them nearly have sex twice in this movie. I'm like, what kind of friendship? This is dodgy. I don't even know what I would be so. And maybe he made never, a deal. He's like, you write my book. No, no, just <laughs> I get so. Uh, I would never do this in front of a friend. That's so creepy. But it's Italy. It's 1970. And there's no rules. But the bird friend has now discovered what that strange sound was on the tape which is the call of the horonis navalis which is a made-up bird which is a bird with feathers that look like glass and yeah. it can only live in northern siberia but there is one in the zoo and guess whose apartment is right across from the zoo albert Ooh. and monica albert and monica the people who own the gallery from the beginning so something about that right there um mm-hmm. so um they have been in cahoots this whole time. We we're going to discover that uh, the lady who we thought was um, the victim was actually a killer. So mm-hmm. what his brain could not remember and figure out was that he thought he saw the knife uh, coming towards her, but nope, she had the knife going towards um, her husband. And it turns out it wasn't just her that was killing people, but her husband sometimes would be uh, out and about helping her, covering her tracks, and also killing um, to help cover her tracks. So husband and wife murderers. Yes, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, the thing that I like about that is that we had this kind of, the way that it's structured, you have this bit of a fake out where you have the husband die first and he's like, he puts it all on him. I did it. It was my fault. I'm the murderer before he dies. And they leave you with that for a second. So for a second, I'm like, oh, the red herring who we knew in the very beginning was the murderer is really the murderer. Yeah. That's unusual. I was like, I could be okay with that if you're just really, because no movie does that where you're just like, oh, the killer, here he is. No, it really was him. And you're like, what? So I thought that was really cool. And then, oh, okay. And now you're going to add this other layer of like, no, it's actually the wife who's, who's bonkers and had, uh, was involved with the scene and the painting. Uh, she was the girl being attacked. And so it has led her now to this life of crime where she, and she, uh, is selling, uh, Ava Renzi gets a shout out because she is, when she twangs at the end, given us some psycho lady performance, having a blast, that kind of hysterical killer who like was really having fun. And just taunting, like she teases that uh, knife around Sam's little face, like as she's like tra- about to stab him as she has like a painting in her gallery that's like fallen on top of him, um, as, as in the course of this chase. And this she's really giant, about to take him out. It's a massive piece of art. It must have been so like uncomfortable a, to be underneath like this to do that. giant sculpture that's a big square, like 10 feet by 10 feet or something, really big, uh, but covered in spikes. But he doesn't get to, I don't think he gets spiked. I think he is surrounded I don't think he by gets impaled. spikes. Yeah, I think it's some which weird... is a little disappointing if you're going to have a painting with spikes. I would like a little bit of spikeage, like one little spike, like in the leg, like in the thigh, yeah, maybe or exactly. something. And then he gets some to limp meat. away like a hero. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I wouldn't wouldn't mind some thigh meat. Um, <laughs> but before <laughs> he can get stabby in the face, um, uh, Monica gets knocked out because the inspectors have figured out like what has been going on and stop so her. So Morosini, he is yeah. on top of it. Morosini was on top of it. Also, Julia, I think, was able to get like a phone call through. Was trying to give you know let them know what was up. So um, through those course of events, yeah, Morosini actually gets got his shit together and inspected the heck out of it, and then they mm-hmm. end up interviewing him on the news, of course, to hey. recap. Like a hero that he is, but like a good hero, he defers to the psychiatrist basically 
to talk about Monica's condition and what set her off um, on her path. And I think it's interesting that he does this little button on the end because this is very, very psycho, right? You have this this little button on the end of psycho, like, let's explain why he did it, right? But I which I which I understand Hitchcock was shoved into doing and didn't want to do because it is kind of lame. Like we don't get it need the explanation. We understand that he's crackers, right? So like mm-hmm. this is something with this, I think the same thing, but I'm like, okay, it's just an homage to psychos. Like, I understand why they're doing it, but also you don't need the big explanation, but that's fine. Uh, right, but, but also it's is- just a matter of education because I think public health is different now than then. I think we're more aware of different pathologies where it wouldn't necessarily be the same, you know. Um, but it's, but it, I mean, yes, you want somebody to learn about these kind of uh, things that could happen where you have a trauma response or PTSD that can lead you to a life of crime, but you're not portraying that in a good way anyway, right? So you're not, this isn't something where you've had a movie that now you're saying, this is what happens in an educational whole way through. It's just like, oh, it makes you insane. So, you know, this is, this uh, was what all I wanted and more. So uh, let's get into- great. Yeah. This was, yeah, fantastic. Let's talk about some gore factor as if we don't know. One, enough blood, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. It's Argento. If you want some orange ass Italian blood, this is for you. It's You're going to get lot. it. You're going to get a lot of beautiful, beautiful blood. Enjoy it. Um, movie ratings, Chainsaws, one of your desperate, two barely qualifies as a horror film, three seen worse, seen better, four not too shabby, five fantastical. This is a full five for me. I think that's pretty obvious. I think maybe by how we talked about this one today, but this was a joy to watch, a treat, if you will. Cannot believe this was his first film. I'm still like floored by this as a debut because it doesn't feel like that in any way to mm-hmm. me. Um, there's so many different pieces that come together really nicely. Like he's talked about continually all the, all the distinct characters makes gives you such a great um opportunity of time and place because this is something that could get like if none of those people were like interesting in any way it would have been so boring for him just like go ask questions like you know but Mm -hmm. it was it was beyond so um i really really enjoyed that i gave it a five as well which means this is an all-around five this movie rocks I, you know, it was, it's so beautiful and there's nothing more that I love than a director where I can tell their style, tell who made the film by their style. And this is Argento out the gate and like, there you go, there he is. And I, I am so amazed when people do that. It reminds me of Edgar Wright who comes out the fucking gate with Shaun of the Dead and you're like, what the fuck, man? That's your first movie? Just a really distinct voice straight out the gate, really knew it, had a clear vision, knew what they wanted. Um. Well, not, I mean, Edgar Wright's first real movie movie, but we have, did watch his like movie he made with his friends. Like, so you can that's see the true. bones of him working stuff out. You know what I mean? No, sure. That's, and that's he, you the know, first official movie. Yes. Of course. And, you know, of course he, you know, he did space and all that before that. So he's, you know, he has, he's done stuff and I'm sure that Argento did small projects and stuff before he went, did this, but this is something that I would highly recommend if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it because it's a beautiful film. It really does the genre perfectly uh yep. as you would expect from the man himself uh Sets so thank tone. you mm-hmm. so much for watching us or listening to us watching us i wish you could watch us you know you can in your head you can imagine what we look like maybe we don't look like what you th- picture in your head at all 
maybe our voices don't match our faces. There's people who like that. I've never really thought about it with the show. But let's move on. Next week, we are going to be talking I was just going to let you keep going. I, I was highly a, amused. A, a Julia <laughs> rant. Okay, Julia. <laughs> uh, next week, we're going to be talking about a movie that Terry and I have discussed, and uh, we agree that we are both terrified to watch. We're going to be watching Raw, which I don't know anything about, thank goodness, but I do know that it's fucking intense. Which I know I'm enough to for. know that it's very intense and I've been avoiding it, but we've gotten it requested on multiple occasions. And like we always say, you do give us your request. We do take them to heart. We do add them to the list. We will hopefully get to all of them at some point in our lifetimes. We love, love, love your suggestions. They do help guide us um, as well. Um, but if you want to hang out with us and talk to us about um, this amazing film, join us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Horror Movie Survival Guide uh, is also on Patreon. We're on Teespring, so you can get merch. You can support the show um, in those wonderful ways. Um, let us know what you think. And um, I, I don't know. I'm going to get ready for Raw, so I'm going to like not eat this week. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I know nothing. This is what I like. I like going into movies where I know zero. Thank We're going into so this movie Raw. Ayo. Okay. <laughs> On that note, we will see you next week. Uh, Disco Citizens. We love you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.